Hi, Mita Telkom is going up to its scheduled finish. Some reporting is left to do for the European Commission, as also making few more podcasts. Also in Latvia, there will be one of our final events where culture and arts creatives, journalists, scholars, local entrepreneurs, students and the wider public discuss the issues related to freedom of speech, titled Breaking Down the Walls. In the podcast episode, we shall cover the Media Telcom final conference that took place in Brussels on the 15th of February. We recreate the first panel discussion named Media for Democracy, Crossing the East-West Divide. We make the actual performances sound a bit more personal, like it is in the broadcasting and podcasting recorded post factum. But we still have some live reactions recorded from the audience, thus creating the real conference vibe. Thank you for joining us. I'm Urmas Loit, the Midelcom Communication Officer. We start from the keynote speech of Zinka Perusko from the University of Zagreb, Croatia, also the member of Midelcom. She spoke on the Midelcom project results. I asked her to voice the key issues of her keynote speech. There are two key issues, I would say. These are the two most important results of our, our project. And I cannot go in details, of course, in three minutes. But the first uh, result is the index of deliberative communication that was created within the project by our colleagues who discussed these issues of deliberative democracy, deliberative communication. The index came about and the index uh, measures EU countries on a comparative basis and shows in which countries there is a better potential for deliberative communications and uh, uh, countries where there is a smaller potential, where more should be done to develop uh, deliberative communication. This is important result that we have produced in the project. And the second is that within the four media system areas and the contextual variables, we have shown that there are certain aspects of each of these areas that are crucial and that are key for developing um, deliberative communication. On the one hand, in relation to journalism, the media market is really important. So we find that um, a strong media market allows for easier development of deliberative communication. In relation to journalism uh, profession, we find that existence and implementation of codes of ethics uh, within the countries, so the uh, common journalism culture is something that is really supportive of deliberative communication. In relation to the legal framework, we find that uh, the implementation of the legislation is the most important aspect, and so this is uh, the area that attention should be given to. And also we found, and this is what we consider perhaps the key finding, is that legacy media and use of legacy media and trust in legacy media is supportive of deliberative communication. And while uh, trust in social media and predominant use of social media for news is related to lower 
deliberative communication and we find this lower deliberative communication mainly in the countries of the south and in the east of Europe. These findings show us that uh, although the countries have different paths to deliberative communication, there are some common areas that can be supported, that can be developed by common policy and other areas that could be developed by individual national policies and support for deliberative communication. The other keynote speech was delivered by Marius Dragomir, the director of the Media and Journalism Research Center. This was titled as The Future of European Media, the Need for Change, Media Capture and Disinformation in Eastern Europe in a Major Election Year. He also paid attention to the Media Telecom's concept of wisdom-based media governance. Well, I think there are a lot of uh, very important findings that in this project that can be translated into practical things like policies or ways of rethinking the media systems. And I don't want to get into all the details about that, but definitely one piece of the project, one set of findings, so to speak, that attracted my attention was related to the overall idea of the wisdom-based uh, governance model, which is to me one of the the models that exist actually in Europe. It has existed in Europe. If, if uh, the through the work that we have done in research, we have done mainly through the, the ownership and the funding angle, we have seen that this model has been implemented in a number of countries that have a very solid public service media system and at the same time um, systems where the government doesn't interfere with the market logic. So that's the, that's the ideal you know, type of, of system that you want to have. And um, it is based, in fact, on wisdom. It's a wisdom-based model. It has been based on facts. Media policy in these countries have been based on facts. And I think the, the project is reinforcing that model. Now the question is, how are you going to transpose that to countries that haven't had that kind of experience? And that's that's going to be a more difficult task and that's where we have to talk about practicalities but I think the project is is laying out a few very important areas this is the first thing and some of them of course more actionable than the others in some areas in my in my view it's very hard to actually break the mold so to speak others when it comes to the media literacy part for example are extremely important and I think the project is, is offering a lot of insights that can actually inspire people working in the field to develop models that can have an impact. So I think there are many, many good things and a lot of them really, uh, a lot of the findings are really actionable in any country in Europe, in fact. The panel discussion itself raised some thrill. As a guest, Eric Heinze from Queen Mary University of London had been invited. He put up the question about deliberation under an unexpected angle. 
wouldn't deliberative communication exclude the hate speakers from getting the floor? I've been very supportive of the Media Delcom project. I think a lot of very good and serious and detailed work has been done. I hope that this work will continue. And so I guess I see my role as trying to spot maybe certain problems which would have been missed or underestimated. It's very, very hard today to make policy in the area of free speech and media, uh, first of all because of the kinds of social controversies and political controversies that we're having which are becoming more and more polarized, but also because the nature of the media has been evolving and changing so rapidly and in ways that are so unforeseeable and ways that are not easy for any to control and so if we put all of this together I think even the best policy in the world is likely to have some uh, weak elements some problems which might not be fully appreciated and so I've been trying to ask what those might be and I think for example the very question of what we mean by deliberative communication or the related concept of deliberative democracy these are very good ideals, right? The idea that everybody in society would always have an opportunity to speak their mind, to be heard, to air their disagreements, and for disagreements then to be worked out in order to reach some sort of consensus. This is a very nice ideal, but it's not really the direction our societies are headed in, in any kind of foreseeable future. In many ways, we're headed more and more in the opposite direction, which is to say in the direction of greater divisions, of greater miscomprehension, of greater disinformation, of greater polarization, of greater enmity, greater hostility. And this is one reason why during the panel discussion, I just wanted to remind some of the people present that in addition to this ideal of deliberative democracy for all of its beauty, <laughs> we also have a model of agonistic democracy uh, coming from agon, from the Greek uh, notion of strife or contention, which means that we don't necessarily assume that we have to come to a consensus. We don't necessarily assume that we're going to like each other or even always respect each other. So then the question is, how do we structure media? How do we structure communication in order to make the fight? <laughs> right? uh, even the hostility somehow cohere, somehow be effective and somehow work so that democracy and participation in society can still be maintained. Now, I'm not saying that this is necessarily much easier to achieve than deliberative democracy is, but I think in some ways it allows us to perhaps be a bit more candid about the kind of challenges we're facing and what we're going to need to do in order to deal with them. Hereby, yeah, we provide some live reactions from the audience onto that kind of approach. To follow the entire recording of the conference, you'll find the link to it also on the Media.com Facebook page. First, we chose the reply by Daniel Hallin from the University of California, the member of the Media.com advisory board and the author of the famous book Comparing Media Systems, published 20 years ago. 
framing a, a policy in relation to exclusion, you know, I guess you can maybe imagine the Germans excluding the AFD, although I think it's really very unlikely uh, in the current media ecology for, for that to even be possible. But I think in most of the countries that we're talking about here, the policy goals that we're talking about are not to like exclude the radical voices, but to prevent them from becoming completely hegemonic. Or in other cases, I think it, it's this very dramatic shift of our media systems toward highly partisan and instrumentalized media and the marginalization of professionalized media or their failure to develop to begin with. And so it's, again, not to exclude, but to keep some balance in the media system and prevent um, those, um, you know, the media that contribute more to deliberation from some essentially disappearing from the media system. So that's how I see those policy issues. You know, I think that like the hate speech exclusion part of it, this is a very tiny part of what media policy is, is about all in all. Also the media telecom coordinator has introduced at the conference the principal investigator Aliki Haroloit comes in. In the very beginning of this media telecom project we really worked hard and developed the concept of deliberative communication. And that is slightly different from deliberative democracy, actually. And that's now, I think, it's time to say that in this book one, which is online, you can find also our figure, the basic ideals of deliberative communication. But what I want to point out is that for Media Delcom, the deliberative communication is not so much about inclusiveness or exclusiveness. The key word here is rather equal equal access to communication, absence of power in communication relations, as well as it is very important is the reason-based arguments in communication, which means that this relates the reason-based argumentation exactly relates us to the media-related competencies and, of course, mutual respect. I want to just to point out that if we distinguish deliberative communication and deliberative democracy, which is more oriented to decision-making, then I think that this debate seems not to be so sharp anymore. The panel, Ioana Vatani, the president of the Center for Independent Journalism of Romania, also the Mitterdelcom member, discoursed on the EU media policies, which every member country tends to implement in a different way. One of the main conclusions of our uh, research is uh, related to media policies and uh, the way they tried to solve all the problems. My 
point is that there is no one-size-fits-all solution and probably the legal solutions won't be necessary the best solutions for the problems that are ahead of us. What our research, cross-country research, revealed was that each country implemented differently the same set of rules set up by the European Union and the results were mixed. What worked very well in Germany and in Greece didn't work and on the contrary worked against the journalists in Romania and Bulgaria. So our point is to recommend to the European Union and to the policymakers to take into account the implementation, not only setting up the values and the standards and the desired actions and mechanisms. They should follow also the implementation at national level in a very thorough way, in a very consistent way, not only to check boxes, this and this has been done, has been implemented, has been installed if there is uh, any kind of uh, institution, but to look at the outcomes, the effect on the media in each member country. This is of consequence, otherwise we will confine ourselves to legislation that is meant to please everybody, because this kind of legislation, the European legislation, is the result of multiple negotiations at the parliament level, at the commission level, at the council, European Council level, and in the way we will get just something that would please everybody but may have no or, as I said, contrary effects in reality. We invite you to catch up the conference on our Facebook page and that of the Media Diversity Institute. We shall have another episode on the MediaDelcom conference. Also the piece addressing the letter to the editor topic. We needed to postpone it, but it will come. So we shall have a few more podcast episodes coming. Stay tuned to hear us soon.